0: My name is Paul, and welcome to the inaugural episode of the Low to High podcast, where we talk all things lacrosse. Today on the podcast, we will be discussing the PLL Championship Series. Joining, today, joining me today as my guest co-host is Jake from LAX Weekly. Jake, uh, why don't you say hi to everyone?
1: What's going on, guys? Uh, my name is Jake. I, uh, like Paul said, run the account LAX Weekly. I'm super happy to be here. Thanks for having me, man.
0: Uh, Jake was actually at the bubble in Utah where the championship series took place. And if you don't mind, Jake, uh, can I ask you some questions about the experience?
1: Yeah, man, of course.
0: Uh, What was a typical day like being in the bubble?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, To be honest, like every day was really different, Um, I think, at the beginning. So uh, we got there, we had to do a quarantine, and then uh, we had training camp. And training camp was – um an awesome experience it was each team had two practices a day so you're constantly going in between each practice i did a lot of social media stuff so i was getting instagram stories and so i would go around to each practice and like try to get some good shots and just talk with the players and then we'd come back at night do a lot of editing and things like that and then as we got um into games it was more of a relaxed day during the day and then once the games were at night you just uh like it was kind of like uh everyone was going really hard so it was uh it was always really fun definitely kept you on your toes really busy and yeah it was an incredible experience uh
0: what were some of the best parts about it
1: um i think for me just as a lacrosse fan um i'm a huge lacrosse geek and so i've grown up watching all these players and now getting to film them and talk to them uh it was just incredible like guys like jordan wolf um Miles Jones, Sergio Perkovic, Rob Pinnell, just like getting to actually talk to them and see how awesome of guys they are. And I've watched them my whole life. It was just something that I'll never forget.
0: Uh, what were some of the not so great parts about it?
1: Yeah, um, I mean, it, was, it really was great. I think the times that I didn't like as much were just like the quarantine time. So when we got there, right, right when we got off the plane, we went to a hotel and had to Quarantine for 24 hours, so you're just kind of getting restless in your hotel room. And then we did another one, which wasn't as bad. It was, I think, it was only like 18 hours, but just like that, those times were just a little bit rough, I guess. But I mean, overall, it was an incredible experience. there so really weren't anything. Wasn't anything that bad.
0: Did you have to do the nasal uh, nasal swab test, like you know, uh, for COVID?
1: Actually, uh, no. That was the nice part. It was a lot of spitting, so uh, it was kind of funny. Like the first. COVID test that you had to do uh, before you even left for Utah. You're on uh, like a Google meeting with a bunch of other PLL staff and you're like all spitting into a tube and it was just like funny like it was just kind of weird but uh, it, it it worked out I guess.
0: Uh, how long did it take you to get the results for the test?
1: Um, I'm not exactly sure the timing. I think it was like probably like a day or two after uh, and then like for the first one and then maybe like a day, but it, it was pretty quick. It was pretty quick.
0: Yeah. In New York, it takes two weeks to get your test back. It's ridiculous. Two weeks? Yeah. Two weeks.
1: It's what's the point of like, yeah, I I... that's like, yeah, that's insane. Yeah. No, we, they were, the PLL, the PLL medical team definitely should win. I don't know if there's any award for medical teams or something, but they <laughs> should win that award because they're incredible. <laughs>
0: That sounds awesome. Uh, Did you get to meet any of the players that you've interviewed before?
1: Yeah, so, like, I interviewed Ryan Brown, which I got to meet him, Uh, Tucker Durkin, got to meet him, Uh, Marcus Holman, got to meet him, Will Manny. Um, So, honestly, yeah, I got to meet a ton of guys, and it was just, it was cool to have that connection, and I also hopefully made a lot of good connections for future guests.
0: Uh, You got to meet RJ, you said, right, too?
1: Oh, yeah. RJ was my boss. Uh, Me and him were back and forth the whole summer, honestly.
0: This all sounds awesome. And I'm sure you'll be uploading some of this stuff to your YouTube channel uh, about the championship series.
1: Yeah, for sure. I want to do like a recap video soon and also just give a shout out to the PLL because I mean, the PLL, um, there's just so many different amazing people there who are just working so hard for the bigger mission of growing lacrosse. And it's just uh, there's a lot of stuff behind the scenes that I took for granted that everyone really takes for granted because you don't see it. But I mean, the PL is in very good hands. They're doing some incredible stuff and it was just like an honor to be a part of it. Honestly.
0: Uh, if you don't know about a uh, lax weekly, check out Jake's YouTube channel. I'll put a link for it in the description and follow us at Twitter and Instagram as well. His username is at lax weekly. He posts awesome content from re- uh, reacting to players highlights to giving instructional videos and how you can be a better lacrosse player. All right, first things first, let's talk about this uh, Chaos Whipsnake ch- Championship game. So going into the fourth quarter, Chaos had been dominating the undefeated Whips all game long. Their offense was playing at a much faster place, pace than usual. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was highlighted by uh, Josh Byrne, mm-hmm. as well as an extremely disciplined defense led by uh, Jared Newman and Jack Roulette. And let's not forget about goalie Blaze Blazer, who pretty much lights out the first mm-hmm. three quarters and only letting in three goals to, uh, to, a st- to uh, the whips Whipsnake. Mm-hmm. The Whips is six. Uh, then along came the Whips in the fourth quarter. They went on a nine-zero run. Zed Williams had five goals in the fourth quarter alone, helping the Whip Snakes win their second PLL championship. Final score of that game was twelve to six. Zed Williams was given championship series MVP for leading the league in scoring with twenty goals and coming second place for points behind his teammate Matt Rambo. So Jake, what was it like watching the uh, the game from Utah and like how crazy how like how crazy was it watching that uh, fourth quarter?
1: It was wild. I mean, uh, I was like, everyone kind of thought the chaos were going to pull away with it. But also at the same time, a three-goal lead, especially in the PLL, is like, it's honestly like a one-goal lead probably like in uh, like a usual lacrosse game. And also the Whipsnakes are just one of those teams. They're almost like, like the Patriots or just like any of those winning teams that you can think of where even if they're down, like you kind of know that it's not a matter of, you know, if but when. And so you kind of knew that eventually, like, I mean, I think Zed and Matt maybe had one point each. And so you knew that if one of them went off, then it was going to be um, a different game. And, I mean, credit to Blaze Rudin, He stood on his head, and that was really, I think, what was kind of keeping – like, the websites, they showed flashes. But then, uh, like, Blaze really held it together. But then I was actually listening to a podcast with uh, Paul Karkatera and Zed Williams, and he was just talking about how once he got that first goal – in the fourth quarter, that's like when he knew he could get it past Blaze. That's when things started happening. So I really think it was just once uh, Zed or just anyone kind of scored like their first goal and they realized that Blaze was human. That's when they when things really turned around.
0: Yeah, did you think uh, Zed was going to win MVP over Joe Nardella after after that game?
1: After the game, for sure. Just because, like, I've honestly, there's. You know, I remember Sergio Perkovic had the five-goal game against Denver when he was in college. Uh, like, there's been a – Matt Kavanaugh had a yeah. few performances. Like, there's definitely been some takeover performances, but I don't think I've ever seen something like what Zed Williams did. Like, he – I mean, Joe Nardella was a big reason, Kyle Burnlord. But, I mean, Zed Williams basically was the reason why they won that game. Like, they, no one else was really doing anything. And so, after the game, I, I knew it was going to be him. I think before – you know, he had been held to zero points in the last game, so I think he ha- kind of had to have a big game in order to win MVP. But I'm just glad the way it worked out. And, I mean, Zed Williams, what an awesome guy.
0: Yeah, I like how you said, like, Perkovic, like, I think it was 2015 against Denver and Kavanaugh in yeah. 2014 against uh, Albany. Yeah. Unlike, unlike, unlike those two, like, they had, like, crazy performances. Zed Williams, like, he won, this, he won, the, he won like, the championship, unlike Kavanaugh and Perkovic. But still, like, yeah. all three performances were crazy. Yeah, oh, for sure. Uh, who do you root for, Jake? Are you? Uh, who Who are you a fan of?
1: Uh, that's a. You're supposed to be unbiased on the PL media team. I mean, I will say, like, I really do like every team, and I kind of like grew to like every team. I think in the Whipsnakes versus Redwoods game, it's hard not to root for the Redwoods. You know, there's like a bunch of big personalities, and I was just kind of pulling for them. I really love the Archers, honestly. Like, whenever I, t- I interviewed Marcus Holman, he's honestly probably. The nice one of the nicest guys I ever met and it was over Zoom and I could just tell like how nice he was. He was so willing to talk to me. So I love all those guys, Grant, um, Will. So definitely I of the Archers. And then also I mean I pretty much like everything, but like the Chrome. I grew up a Duke fan, my room was Royal Blue, so I love Jordan Wolf, Justin Gutterding, Ned Ned Crawdy honestly it was like he balled out and he's you know, like he's invincible, so I love all those teams.
0: Um like you said about chrome were there a lot of jokes going on about like matt gaudet like chirping all the time uh at the bubble
1: um i mean there's a lot of jokes like probably like between people but there wasn't like on the field like it was pretty intense honestly and everyone was just shocked i don't know how like how like i don't know the sentiment of like how everyone took it but just at least for me i was just like i could not believe when he said that uh not saying like it was good or bad like whether he should have said that but just like i couldn't believe it i was like i cannot believe this is on national tv and this happening so that was just like that was definitely one of the most wild moments just like what the heck did he just say
0: yeah especially because i saw it on espn the next morning so i knew it was a pretty big thing when that happened oh yeah
1: but. oh yeah yeah it was, it was everywhere it was like barstool espn like pretty much it was it was definitely whether you like agreed with it or not like it definitely brought some exposure whether it's good or bad it brought like you know, national attention to the to lacrosse, which is good. Yeah,
0: I mean, good press is, uh, press is good press. I mean,
1: exactly.
0: All right, so let's move on to our next thing. Uh, let's start breaking down each team's. Uh, let me start off with the whips. Yeah. Um, I think the whips Knicks clicked on all cylinders. Whether it was from Joe Nardella, who went seventy two percent from the X, and if Nardella didn't win a draw, he had his trusty All Maryland defense, who shut down some of the best players all series. Besides all the standout defenders like Michael Ayhart and Matt Dunn, don't forget like the most efficient scorers in the league who both finished top two in points. Uh, that was Zed Williams and Matt Rambo. Mm-hmm. I mean, besides the first three quarters of the championship game, there was it, nobody was able to stop the Whipsnakes. They all played, bull, they played bully ball all tournament long. Besides all the stars on defense, I think some of the unsung heroes of the Team that had huge roles were the was the short stick de- defensive midfield unit of Ty Warner, Jake Bernhardt, and T.J. Camizio, who played great on both sides of the midfield stripe. Uh, you want to hear something crazy? What? Five of the Whipsnakes' top scorers all finished top twenty in points, and this was a team that lost four of their offensive players to the Water Dogs in the expansion draft league, and still managed to have the highest scoring offense.
1: Jeez, yeah, I mean, they pretty much—it's like it's almost unfair, like seeing their roster, just like it's. They have the, almost the best of everything. So I'm, I'm not surprised, but also that's insane. I cannot believe that also.
0: Nuts. Uh, you want to go with Chaos?
1: Yeah, for sure. Chaos, it, it was cool also just because like training camp, I got to watch all these teams and then like see how they develop. So Chaos is definitely one of those teams where there was a ton of talent on the roster. Like you look at a guy like Austin Stotts, he was an all-world player. Uh, Curtis Dixon, um, Dan Smith. Tyson Bell, like a lot of these uh, newer guys, and I mean they were loaded with talent. But even in training camp, you could tell like the chemistry wasn't exactly there yet, and I think that showed kind of in when they went zero and four. So they certainly showed flashes. You know, they have a ton of talent. Blaze Rude played really well, but it just took them a while to click. But then once they clicked, they were insane. And I mean, also big credit to Andy Towers. I mean, when you go zero and four, like. The whole team probably starts thinking like okay like we're probably you know like might, might have some bad feelings but uh, the chaos really rallied and i just uh they clicked on the right cylinders i think just once again like i said earlier like a 6-3 lead going to the fourth quarter you know some people might call that a choke i really think it just wasn't that people who don't watch cross don't understand like a 6-3 lead is almost nothing and so they, they definitely played a little bit not to lose instead of playing to win. And then they also, Zed Williams had an unbelievable performance. So I don't think you can really blame them. I would be, if I was a Chaos fan or a player, I'd be really happy, you know. Like, uh, it doesn't really matter how you did in pool play. It only matters, you know, come playoff time. And they showed that and shocked the lacrosse world. And it was really fun to watch them.
0: You know what's crazy? They were also missing – who didn't come to the championship was Demer Class, who's a big lefty shooter from the midfield strike. But I think, like, I think if they had him, I think it would have been a lot closer game with the Whipsnakes or they would have won a couple more games in uh, pool play.
1: Yeah, I agree because, I mean, Josh Byrne filled that role pretty well as far as, like, a lefty shooter. But I think, like, once defenses started sliding to him more, if they would have had, like, two shooters – and, you know, Dean McClass is one of the best shooters in professional lacrosse. I think that would have been huge. So that's a good point.
0: Yeah. Uh, all right. I'll talk about the Archers. So the Arch- Archers had a much more efficient year mm-hmm. on both ends of the field. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the addition of Grant Ament truly helped with him having 20 points a show. Along with Grant Ament, Tom Schreiber, who was a uh, midfielder of the year, had another memorable year putting up uh, 12 goals and four assists from the uh, from the midfield. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the defensive side of things, Matt McMahon tied uh, for first place with 12 calls to it turnovers. Mm-hmm. And another member of the defensive unit who uh, stood out was uh, Scotty Radcliffe, who was just as much of an offensive threat as any mini or attackman. Uh, oh, yeah. And he finished on I think he finished with six calls, turnovers, 17 GBs, and six points. Uh, the Archers seemed to be very fluid on offense, playing very fast place and discipline. And it was very fun to watch for the fans at home to see the trio of uh, Manny, Amen, Schreiber play as if they were like, playing like, back, like backyard lacrosse, throwing like, BTBs and no lookers left and right. I think Archers might be the team to beat in uh, 2021. They have a lot of young talent all around.
1: Oh, yeah. I, th- I think the Archers are incredible. And, yeah, Scott Radliff, I mean, he's always been good. But, yeah, I mean, he solidified himself for sure, I think, as one of the top LSM's in the world. Uh, I mean, it was crazy. And, like, that split dodge that he had, I forgot which game it was. But, I mean, yeah, he, you nailed it on the head. He's as much of an offensive threat as, like, plenty of middies out there. So, uh,
0: You want to start with – you want to go with Crum?
1: Yeah, for sure. Chrome was a really awesome one to watch uh, because I didn't work at the PLL last year, but, you know, um, for those of you who don't know, like Chrome was the worst team last year in 2019 in the PLL. And so um, they were really looking to rebound and they got a new coach and coach Tim Sudan, who was an awesome coach. Like just getting to watch him, all the players really bought into what he was doing and respected him. And he was definitely like a a player's coach, um, like he gave a lot of freedom to the players and they all joked around with him, but they also, you know, knew when to dial it in. And so that was just really fun to watch. And I feel like the Chrome were, they just had the most fun. I feel like out of any team, they're always smiling, laughing, having a good time. Um, uh, John Rannigan, he's hilarious. He was, He played really well and he was also just such a good leader. Jordan Wolf, I think showed, you know, why he's one of the best uh, tacklers in the world. I think just speed wise, like, I'm even going to make a video about this. Just, like, you can't really – if you're faster than another defender, it doesn't matter about any sort of dodge or technique. I mean, if you can just flat out be your defender, then you're going to score a lot of goals, and I think Jordan Wolf really showed that. Um, so, yeah, overall, I'm super can, happy with the Crones performance. Obviously, I wish they would have gone a little bit further, but they definitely took a good step in the right direction.
0: I know. I saw – I think it was the first game of the uh, – first, like, first couple of games of the series, I saw Jordan Wolf had like a goal that was like really similar. Do you remember like the last play of the twenty fourteen championship when uh Wolf just ran by like three defenders and scored and like uh iced the game?
1: Oh yeah and it wasn't just any defenders. I think that was like Matt Landis. Yeah uh, he's a you know beast.
0: I know I like I had some deja vu when I saw that I was like this guy still got it.
1: Exactly. I mean it's just and I watched it in practice every day. Like he just he's faster than other people and so he just consistently scores goals. That's pretty cool.
0: Yeah. Um all right, I'll talk about the Redwoods. So I think the absence of Jules Houndingberg was truly felt for the Redwoods as they lacked an offensive player to help initiate the offense. Mm. Um I have Ryder Garanti and Sergio Perkovic led the team in scoring along with Miles Jones uh with who him and Perkovic uh, are in the uh, nickname of Splash Bros of the PLL. Um Miles Jones seemed to play a different role than in previous years. Instead of being a more physical dodging and shot-on-the-run player, he played a little bit more off-ball and took a similar role to Sergio Perkovic at the, mid, at the midfield position in taking more step-down shots from uh, outside. Uh, defense for the Woods seemed to have stayed the same despite losing Matt Landis. I think faceoffs are what poisoned the Redwoods most as they went 36% from the X. I think that's something that, they, that needs to be fixed uh, in the offseason.
1: Yeah, I I think uh definitely the face-offs uh were an issue. Um and yeah, I, I really like Miles Jones. I mean, I'm a huge Duke fan. I think to be honest though, I like uh he's a great guy. I think he's a really good player. I I'm surprised uh like just based on like watching him and at Duke to like where he is now like I'm surprised that he's not even better than he is. Like he's really good, but I I just feel like uh I'd like to see him, like, develop more parts of his game. He's an incredible person, really great for the game, like, uh, everything. I I love Miles Jones. And I just – I want to see him next year, like, dominate even more because he's such, like, a dominant presence. And we saw, like, a glimpse of that, like, when he trucked. I think it was Curtis Dixon in one of the games. It was just nuts. Like, he just put the truck stick on him. And I was like, that's what I want to see every time. Like, he's such a beast. So, I'm definitely rooting for Miles Jones.
0: Because I feel like Miles Jones could be one of those players, like – almost not like Jules Henningberg, but like a player that can help initiate the offense. Like, I think he's fast enough to, like, create, uh, like, for defenses to slide to him and help him find the open man. I mean, I've seen him pass before. He's got pretty – he's, like, he's pretty good vision. So, I think, like, if he could step up that role next year, I think uh, Redwoods are going to be another team to beat in 2021.
1: Oh, for sure, yeah. I think Redwoods are, you know, obviously loaded with talent. Sergio Perkovic incredible. Uh, I think Ryder Garnsey, he had some flashes. I think that last game, uh, Matt Cavanaugh against the Whips, he pretty much showed that he's still one of the best. He just kind of had some injuries. So yeah, I'm definitely pulling for the Redwoods. I'm hoping for their success, man. I mean, I was kind
0: of upset when uh, Ryder had the game winner. He didn't do the uh, dead fish, but
1: I know, dude. But I mean, that guy, I mean, think about how long I've been watching him for a while, and I mean, guy just scores game winners. I don't know what it is about him.
0: He's just clutch.
1: He's a clutch. He's got the ice in his veins. All right, you want to do Water Dogs? Yeah, for sure. The Water Dogs were an interesting one. Um, Definitely another team that was just fun to watch, like, in training camp and stuff. Uh, I really like Coach Copeland. He's a funny guy. Like, definitely serious, but also can joke around. And I just think he has, like, a really good leadership style. And he always, like, preached, like, staying the course, which I think is, like, uh, really cool and like a really good message for people. I think the water dogs, they had obviously so much talent. I in mean, the PLO Everyone has a lot of talent, but I think one thing that they're missing was just kind of like an alpha guy, which I was surprised, honestly, that like maybe a guy like Connor Kelly didn't become an alpha dog. Cause like he definitely was at Maryland or like Ben Reeves. Honestly, I don't even know if he had a point, maybe he had one, he had three but he assists. Was, like, three assists, three yeah. assists. Okay. Yeah. He was like very passive, which I was kind of surprised by um i mean uh zach courier was really good i think maybe it would have been a different story if he would have not gotten hurt on like the very first play of the entire freaking series but um like overall they were it was like fun to watch them i just think like especially you could see like when they were playing those close games like people didn't know like who the alpha dog was and so like they need either someone to step up or they need to trade for someone but i i really was surprised like i'm not gonna lie i was a little bit disappointed that like a guy like uh, you know Ben Reeves or Connor Kelly or like, someone like that who's obviously proven that they're a big you know leader that they didn't like. And also, yeah, another guy what I was really surprised by kind of dropped off was Drenner. Like he played, I think he had like two goals in the first game, and like he looked pretty solid. But then he kind of kind of dropped off. And I mean, he was obviously like an alpha for Towson back in the day. So and for like, the Whip Snakes too. Yeah, he was, he was really good. So I I don't know, like it was. Is it like, I don't know. It was interesting.
0: I know. I think uh, it was Akira McArdle that led the team in points. I think they he led the water dogs in points.
1: Yeah, he was he was definitely a bright spot. But even he, like, he was awesome. But, like, he wasn't, like – like, he tried, I guess, to be an athlete. But there wasn't just, like, you know, like a Rob Pinnell, Matt Rambo, Zed Williams mm-hmm. kind of guy who was, like, you know that. That's your guy.
0: And, like, every other – like, on, like, like, the face-off X, uh, they had Jake Withers. I think he went, like, 55%, which is pretty good for a first-year yeah, guy in the PLL. And then I think their defense played pretty well, too. So I think yeah. I think they just need to find that guy on offense to help, like, uh, light the fire. And I think they should be go- – I think they should have a solid team for next year.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. Because, they, I mean, they have so many good pieces to work around. Like, you know, Drew Snyder, he's really good. He's not really an alpha, but, like, he's a great player. Wes Berg is really good. So, I mean, they, they definitely have – all the pieces there. They just need, like, one more, one more piece, I guess.
0: All right, I'll finish it up with the Atlas.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, the Atlas, the most hyped-up team the entire mm-hmm. offseason, ended up being a complete bust. I mean, on paper, Atlas looked like the best team, like, in the entire league with an attack unit of Ryan Brown, Rob Pinnell, and Eric Law, and with a midfield, with a midfield that would be thought to uh, complement it well with Paul Rabel, Brian Costabile, and John Crowley. But, I mean, lacrosse games aren't played on paper. Atlas struggled the entire series, finishing last in offensive efficiency, having issues with ball movement and who should be initiating the offense. Defense wasn't much better for the Atlas besides second-year player Cade Van Rafthorst, who uh, tied the, tied for first with uh, Matt McMahon for cause turnovers. Uh, Trevor Baptiste wasn't as efficient as he usually is, going 54% of the X, 9% down from last year. I think the Atlas are going are to need to build chemistry for next year and learn to play more as a team. You could even see it when they were playing; they looked very uncomfortable. Like they were throwing away a lot of passes on offense. It didn't look—it didn't look like uh, like the team that it was supposed to be. I think there's too much talent to be wasted for a team before those group of players are shipped out, uh, to different teams.
1: Yeah, for sure. Alice is one of those ones. I think everyone kind of felt that way. I mean, on paper, they do have probably probably the most talent, like as far as like accolades go. And, yeah, it was just, like, it was sad to kind of watch them, like, how they did. Um, I mean, obviously, they're a great team. And I really liked Coach Rubio. It was fun to watch him. He's – I think he's going to be a really good uh, pro lacrosse coach. Like, you can just kind of tell he, he knows what's up. Um, I mean, all the coaches do. But he just had this kind of charisma to him that everyone really gravitated to. And so, yeah, I think uh, – yeah, it was just—it was really just a chemistry issue, which I—I I think maybe like having so many talented players, it's like they are so used to success that it's like kind of hard. And maybe it's harder for them to be bought in, but I—you know—I think it's a matter of time, and they're going to be really good. But I just think maybe some of the guys—I'm uh, just speculating. I—I really, I don't really know that much, but just like you—you know—you kind of have to buy in in order to get the team to—to to really like move forward.
0: I mean, I thought it was kind of weird how they had, like, when they'd sub out Eric Law with uh, Cloutier after, after the uh, first half and how Cloutier would end up scoring, like, the most points. I thought, like, maybe he should be getting the starting spot at like, the, as a crease attackman or, like, playing by X because I feel like he, got, he was getting all those goals and, like, putting them in. I mean, he, he plays a similar role to what he did at UNC, just, like, catching, all the, uh, catching passes on the inside and finishing really well.
1: Yeah, for sure. He's, he's a beast and just uses, once again, like I think speed is really important or size is really important. And like, he has that size. And so he was able to will his way in and get some goals, especially in like that first one, I think they had. Um, so yeah, I think, uh, I don't know. I'm curious to see what's, what's next for that. And another guy, he, he definitely played pretty well. Like I think better than last year was Romar Dennis um, In training camp. He was lights out. Like he could not miss a shot. And I thought he was about to be the high-scoring middie in the PLO. I think uh, he's definitely taking steps in the right direction because, I mean, he is legit. Like, I, you know, everyone's seen, like, the videos of him, like, his split dodge. like. But the knock on him is that, like, his shooting isn't very good. But, I mean, I, th- I think, like, he proved to me and just proved to the league this year that, like, he's definitely a legit, like, player who should, you know, deserves a starting spot.
0: I mean, I think he has the best shot on the run in the, uh, in the entire league. I mean, remember that Whipsnakes, uh, the, when they played the whip Snakes, I think he had, like, two or three shot, like, shots that were on the run, and they were from far out, like, close to the two-point line?
1: Oh, yeah. He, I mean, he – I think he has, like, yeah, when it's dialed in, he has probably the best shot on the run or one of the best. So, I just uh, – like, once he gets that consistency down, I think he's going to be, you know, one of the top players. I think he, he has that potential to be a top player in the world, actually.
0: I think so, too. All right, let's move on to our next uh, segment. Top three players that had breakout years. Uh, let me start off with that, with mine first. So I put down Josh Byrne, Curtis Dixon, and uh, Joe Nardella. Who are your three players, Jake?
1: For these are like breakout. Yeah, breakout. But, uh, I mean, okay, Zed Williams, I mean, he didn't he didn't play in the PLL last year, so I think you got to include him. I think a guy who is kind of slept on is Christian Mazone. He like I think he had either the most goals or second most goals for the Archers, and he's legit and like. He honestly just inspired me. Like, he is not, like, the fastest or the strongest, but, man, that guy's just got some mental toughness. I think he was really good. Um, and then, yeah, Josh Byrne was really good last year, but I think he kind of showed he could honestly be, you know, he's, he could be set as one of the best attackers in the world so Josh Byrne.
0: Yeah, so I put this down. So he had 20 points the entire championship series. He had eight uh-huh. during the playoff run. Yeah. And then all of last year, he only had 25.
1: Yeah. So I think so... that's crazy. Yeah, he's he's legit. I mean, just like his lefty shot. Like I always thought, Gutterding or Manny had the best lefty shot. I think Manny. I think him and Manny like they kind of play a little bit different style, but I don't know. they I'd say those are the top two like lefty shooters in the league.
0: And I said th- I put down Curtis Dixon. He had 18 points. He I think he scored. He was second in scoring for the Chaos. Yeah. I don't think about a lot of like a lot of people didn't really know who he was. Like I mm-hmm. remember watching him. In the World Games in 2018, in that uh-huh. in the championship game, he had four goals against the United States, and that was a crazy defense. That was like Michael Earhart, Tucker Durkin, and who do you know? Who the other two were Kyle Hartzell. Uh,
1: Hartzell, yeah, and then I think uh, Joe Fletcher, probably.
0: Yeah, Joe Fletcher, and like no one really knew who he was. He had a really good lefty shot. He was able to like he was able to like, get his way inside, like using wing dodges and picks and rolls. And I think that like I think he was a really good player uh, during the championship series uh, as well. Like no one really knew who he was. Uh, and then I put Joe Nardella because he went from 55% last year at the X to 72%, and he also mm. had six points. I think a lot of people like if you're not in the Face Off community, like I'm a Face Off guy, so I know who Joe Nardella was. But like a lot of people really didn't know who he was coming into this year. Mm-hmm. Um, he's always been a really solid guy, even playing like when he was in the, uh, MLL, like he had solid, like he had a solid, uh, career. And like last year he played well too. He had a lot of, he had a couple of goals as well. I think he led, uh, face-off specialists in goals as mm-hmm. well. And then this year I think had a great breakout year. Uh, I think his highest performance was 86% against the chaos in, uh, pool play. Mm-hmm. And I think the closest anyone got to him. Like, I think his lowest face-off percentage was 64%. And mm-hmm. the game that he went 64%, he also had two goals to, uh, to like, almost even, like, to help him. To help yeah. That.
1: And it's 64%. If that's your bad game, then you yeah. must be pretty freaking good.
0: Yeah. Um, and then here are my three players that uh, that were a little quiet during the championship series. Uh, Paul Rabel, Connor mm-hmm. Fields, and uh, Kyle Hartzell. Who were your three? Hmm,
1: that's a good question. Um, like I said, he's the nicest guy I've ever met, probably, like, over Zoom. But I think Holman was pretty quiet. Um, but, like, not, not like, trying to make a even a judgment, but just, like, statistically he was pretty quiet. Um, yeah. I thought – I mean, it's not that as expected, but, like, Ben Reeves, like, I just – he's always been one of my favorite players, and so I, I was just kind of like – he. It was just kind of uh, yeah, interesting he didn't have to any, see. He didn't have any goals. Yeah, there. yeah, exactly. Uh, so Ben Reeves, and then one more. I mean, I guess you can say Rabel statistically, but we, we'll talk about it more, like, my thoughts on Rabel. But, yeah, I guess, like, I mean, statistically, if you have one goal, you you probably have to consider him, like, on, on that list.
0: Yeah, the reason I had to put Holman down is because they brought in another ball-dominant player in Grant Ament. so, like, I don't think Holman played bad. I, I think Holman, like, filled another role for his team in being, like, that off-ball player to help set picks. So I don't think, like, I would, I like, statistically that's an off year, but, like, I don't think he played, like, I don't think he played bad, like, if you don't look at it on paper, if you, like, watch the games, like, he was moving the yeah. ball well. Like, I don't think, I don't think, like, like goal-wise it was an off year, but, like, playing, playing like, playing-wise, I don't think he, like, played that bad. And then I said yeah. Kyle Hartzell. He only had one cause turnover the entire series. Um, Connor Fields got benched during the playoffs. Yeah. yeah. He finished with six goals and then Paul Rabel went one for 19 shooting. He was five. I think his shooting percentage was 5%. So it was a little tough. So, and then moving into like coming from that, uh, moving into our next part, I wanted to talk about like what's next for Paul Rabel. Mm -hmm. So I saw a lot on Instagram and like Twitter, like that, like people want we're able to retire, like able like to leave the league, that he stinks. I personally don't think that like he'll be leaving anytime soon, like let alone like even switching at teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he should, he'll still be on the Atlas, but I do think he might have a different role for the Atlas. I think he'll need to be, I think he's going to become more of a, uh, not as ball dominant player, more of a uh, guy who plays off ball and sets picks for his uh, teammates and helps create space. Mm-hmm. I think I think you could see that like that happened to like a lot of older players like Joe Walters and Kyle Harrison. When they were younger, they were super ball dominant. They were always scoring goals, but as they got older, you see Kyle Harrison's like playing a little bit more D MIDI. Joe Walters is uh, he isn't shooting as much because he used to be a big shooter. Uh, He's more, he's passing the ball more. He's playing more off ball. Um, I think you could see Paul Raybo like he might go for more runs on defense instead of playing mm-hmm. solely offense. And if I still, if it still doesn't click for Ray Bull next season, I think he'll just uh, move to a uh, defensive midfielder almost entirely and get uh, fewer offensive run each game, each game. Um, I think Rabel still needs to stay in the league and still play because there's going to be a younger and better talent coming into the league and a new generation of players, especially next year's college draft, which will be loaded with players like Michael Sowers, Jeff T.D. Erlen. And I think Rabel needs to be on, like, I think Rabel still needs to stay in the league and play so he could help guide these players to help pave the way for the game like he did. But I don't think he should try and still be like playing such as ball like such a uh, as a big player, as he like ball heavy players he used to be like always shooting on the runs, always uh, and trying to initiate the offense. I think he has enough players on his team that can help do that. And I still think he could on the stat sheet he could still make his mark shooting, maybe taking more uh, shots, like better step down, uh, mm-hmm. passing the ball a lot more, but not like moving as much or trying to uh, like dodge dodge, uh, dodge from up top.
1: Yeah, I think you make a lot of good points for sure. I think, uh, man, it's just tough. I I, I did see it. Paul Ribble, He definitely just got a lot of comments on Instagram and stuff that I saw. And I was just like I, – I really think lacrosse is, like, mental more than anything. And, I mean, when I watched him in training camp also, like, it was him and Romar were both lights out. Um, and so, especially Paul, like – and if you watch, like, a lot of the film, like, his shot selection – or, like, he was getting separation. It's just, like, his shots – Selection like sometimes wasn't as good, and you could also tell like there were a few times where like where he would like be open and then pass the ball off. So it's like I think just a lot of it, man, is just like mentally it's tough. Like especially you're the founder of the league, and like everyone kind of wants to see you fail. And so I think I think if he really wanted to, he could be like just as good as like any of the middies out there. I just think running a league and stuff is just tough. So yeah, I think. Depending on – I think it's really all up to him. Like, what does he want to do? If he really wants to, like, go back to being, you know, like a top midi, then he probably has to put in maybe a little bit more training and just, like, a little bit more – I don't know, like, figure out, like, mentally how to deal with, like, being the co-founder of the league and also playing. But I think it would be smart for him, just, like, for his, like, mental health. Just, like, he doesn't have to be, like, the alpha dog anymore. Like you said, there's a lot of good other players, like Brian Costabile, Romar Dennis, John Crawley has – incredible lacrosse IQ. so i think it's really all up to him but i uh i mean i'm definitely biased since i worked for the plo but just like seeing how hard he works and also just like how good he really was like during training camp i was, I was surprised that he went i think everyone was that he went that low um in shooting but i think yeah those are my thoughts
0: i mean like yeah like um Like, he always, like, you always see him training, especially on YouTube and Instagram. Like, and I have adopted, like, I've adopted some of his training workouts, like, into my game, like, like, when Uh I'm practicing. So, like, I don't think he's doing, like, the wrong stuff training. I think he's doing everything right. I just think, like, maybe, like, maybe, like, his, like, I don't think, like, the Atlas in general, but, like, I think he might be playing with the, uh, like, like, in an offense that's not really built for him.
1: Yeah, that's, that could be it as well. I think there's just, like, a multitude of, factors but I mean like I said I think you think about it like four or five of those shots go in and then all of a sudden like he had a pretty good tournament so it's like like especially like you look at a guy like Sergio Perkovic another awesome player like if two or three of his two-pointers didn't go in then like he didn't have a good tournament but they went in and so now he's like the two-point king and everything so it's just like obviously sometimes like lacrosse it's unlike other sports where you can shoot like a perfect shot and it's going to go in every time it's like with lacrosse you can have a really good shot or something and the goalie just like has your number that day so that's kind of like the thing that i think makes lacrosse really interesting
0: yeah i agree with that and then next player i want to talk about was connor fields Mm -hmm. and i think most people think that he's probably going to be in a different team next year judging that he was not playing Mm -hmm. uh for for chaos during the playoff run and i think uh, that's good. Like that counterfield can go shine somewhere else. And I think a good fit for him would be the water dogs. Like we said before, they're a young team and they need that one player like to help create space to help initiate the offense, help get mm-hmm. the ball to other players. And like, I think he could be that, he could be that guy. Not only is he fast, is he quick? Like he could pass super well. He's a great finisher. And like, we seen it, we saw it last year too. And we saw it like in spurts this year, like he did have six goals despite not playing uh for three games i think he Mm -hmm. still played pretty well um i i think uh fields could have another break i could have a breakout year next year even though he was a little quiet this year
1: yeah i think you hit the nail on the head i think for the water dogs like like we talked about earlier they kind of need an alpha i think he could be that and it's just kind of interesting though because like coach towers i think said like sometimes the ball would die in a stick and it's like if you remember, like, when we played at Albany, like, that, he actually, his freshman season, I think he, like, broke the freshman scoring record, and he was just an off-ball guy with Lyle Thompson, I believe, and then he kind of became more of a Dodger when, like, Tohoka came along, but anyway, I just, like, I'm surprised that they, I mean, the Chaos played a lot better without him, but, like, that they couldn't, like, transform into, like, an off-ball guy, and maybe it was, like, on him, like, he didn't want to do that or something, because, like, when I think of Connor Fields, honestly, like, I just remember that freshman year at Albany so much, and so, like, it's kind of interesting to see, like, now, like, he's kind of getting benched because, like, he holds on to the ball too much when, like, what That's he's really he's good shot. at. Yeah. yeah, I don't know.
0: Yeah, I think I think you're right about that because, like, I didn't think, like, especially in high school probably, like, I don't think he ever really played as an off-ball player because I think having the ball and the stick was all he ever knew. And, like mm-hmm. like, it's really hard to... Especially like for a short amount of time, just like doing something that you're really not comfortable with and haven't practiced it that much, is mm. is really tough to do.
1: Yeah, agreed.
0: All right, I think this is all we have for uh, our first episode. I hope everyone enjoyed our discussion. Uh, thank you, Jake from Lax Weekly, for taking the Jake from Lax Weekly for <laughs> taking the time out to join us on the show. Um, stay tuned for the next episode, and I hope everyone has a great rest of their day.
1: Thanks a bunch for having me, Paul. I appreciate it, man. This is a lot of fun.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much.